You're listening to Transplaner RPG, an all-transgender, people-of-color-led, dark-fantasy actual play channel set in an original non-colonial, anti-orientalist multiverse. The Chaos Protocol is our second main campaign and stars Valiant Dorian, Kai Kay, and Sam Starr as players, with C. Thomas as the producer and Connie Chong as the game master. Transplaner RPG is sponsored by Explain Trade, a negotiation skills training consultancy whose director, Dimitri Opines, has asked us to say, and I quote, Please sign up for Transplaner's Patreon, because at some point people will figure out he's a cisgender white guy failing upward, and then he'll be too broke to sponsor us. We love you, Dimitri, and thank you so much for supporting our work. Content warnings for this episode include death of loved ones, fantasy violence, fire, pollution, environmental collapse, romance, flirting, complex and complicated relationships, megalophobia, ghosts, heights, flying, and falling. Arc 1, Episode 24, On Ancient Fronds, from Self-Eulogy of a Martyr by Connie Chong. The symbol of the Twilight Guard is simple but elegant. A circle of pure darkness, illuminated by four points of light, an inverted play on the trans logo itself. We pull out from this sigil to find it clasped against an agent's collarbone in the form of a cloak pin. This trans agent stands amidst the shadowy trees of the sink and the drown, looking around with a curious and mildly concerned expression. They are an older, dark-skinned black person, with long dreadlocks glimmering with golden cuffs. His left arm is made of glass. He wears a sleeveless black robe with a golden sash and white detailing. The colors of the Syndicate. He's also not fully here. This is a vision of an agent, Zynan. A vision that seized you moments after laying eyes upon that emblem suspended in Kreserin. The ghosts of the past have always followed you. Down here in the darkness of the Wild Sea, where the warmth of sunlight does not reach and all that surrounds you is older than memory itself, you can sense the echoes of what came before. You, haunted man with one foot always in a grave you dug for someone else. You, a living ghost in your own right, you can see the forgotten story that led this emblem here. The vision throbs in your head, Zynan, and as it does, Sing beside you lets out a small groan. You realize she's placed a hand on your shoulder, and as the next words come out of her mouth, you know that she can see what you're seeing too. Not because the vision has come to her, but because she's sharing in it through you. That agent, I recognize him from the Hall of Heroes. His bust. I think his name was Dumuzi. He led the Twilight Guard for decades. He died 12 years ago. Old age, I think. Zainan, this vision of Dumuzi steps forward off the branch of the iron root tree that holds the emblem and into mid-air, and yet he doesn't fall. As this ghost of Dumuzi turns his head to the side, another ghost 
flickers into existence beside him like a thought trapped in static. This ghost is familiar to you personally. You've seen them tending to the gardens of community operations back at the Syndicate. They are a former member of the Twilight Guard who retired 10 years ago, months after your own enrollment into the Syndicate. Quarry is a tall, willowy person with a dragon-like visage and glittering emerald scales. They float next to Demuzi, but their feet are flat as though supported by a surface you cannot see. Their robes are black, gold, and white, and even though they look to be in their 40s or so, they are still much younger than the few times you've glimpsed them in the gardens or the farmlands. Their scales are polished and bright. A full mane of rich emerald hair spills across their shoulders with just the slightest hints of graying. And when Quarry speaks, Two tongues flicker from their lips, and their voice sounds very far away, like it's echoing up from the bottom of a well. This place... Ugh. What a dump. A third ghost trembles into being, also standing on something you can't see. Her face is broad, cheerful, smiling. She has light brown skin and dark black hair pulled into a low, practical ponytail. She wears padded cloth armor in the colors of the trans uniform and radiates a kind of striking but very plain beauty. Ta is short and has all kinds of alchemical vials and jars and implements strapped across Ta's body. You don't recognize this agent, but Sing does. As Ta gets on Tada hands and knees in midair, scooping some unseen substance into an empty jug, Sing whispers out loud, That's Feng Hui. I recognize her from the Hall of Heroes, too. She died young. During a mission. Oblivion. Feng Hui fills her ghostly flask with a kind of pale, sandy substance, and as she does, she speaks. Her voice also sounds distant and echoing, just like Cory's. Nonsense, Cory. This place is beautiful. A little unconventional in its beauty, that much I will seed, but beautiful nonetheless. Just look at this ash pile we've landed in. It's massive. And look at the sky above our heads, crimson with fire, black with smoke. There are so many colors here. There are three colors here. The fourth and final ghost of the Twilight Guard ribbons into existence. This one both you and Sing recognize immediately. It is Nemosyne. At trans, you know her as a former leader of the Twilight Guard, an older black woman in her 60s with a completely shaved head. Here, in this vision, she is younger, much younger, decades younger. Her face is unlined, her skin is mostly unscarred, she wears practical leather armor, and her signature white furred cape is missing. Intricate golden makeup adorns her face, and her head is fully shaved, just as it will be years into the future. This younger, stricter version of Nemosyne strides forward, gesturing at the sink and the drown, but as you and Sing keep watching these ghostly visions, it becomes more and more evident that what they're seeing is not the same as what you're seeing. Nemosyne speaks again. The black of oil, the red of flame, the white of ash, 
Those are the only colors on this plane, this oregonus. Feng Hui smiles. <laughs> Always so practical, Namasani. Where's your sense of wonder? At that, Cory snorts. <laughs> she probably hunted it, killed it, turned it into a weapon, just like Artemis taught her. That's hand Artemis to you, Cory. Yeah, Cory. Seriously, you should show some respect to the hands. What? I... whatever. As Cory grunts and crosses their arms, Nemosini shoots a brief but soft look in Feng Hui's direction. The alchemist smiles back up at her, all tooth and affection. Demuzi steps forward. Cory, Feng Hui, and Nemosini instantly stand at attention. Their leader speaks in low, even tones, but there's a twinkle of amusement in his voice. <laughs> Enough bickering, agents. We have a job to do. Oracle? A ghostly oracle swirls into existence, and it looks exactly how oracles always look, a pulsing, strobing orb of pure light. Yes, Agent Demuzi. Repeat the objective for mission number 80821-5122, Arachnus. Yes, Agent Demuzi. Your objective is to plant the seed of the world tree at coordinates... <laughs> Despite this static noise, none of the ghosts look perturbed. Demuzi de-summons the oracle and reaches into a pouch where he procures a seed. It is an unremarkable seed about the size of a heart, wooden and wrinkled. Ah, oh, and so fate provides. Agents, toward the coordinates. They should be past this series of highways over those oil flats over there and deeper into the riverbed, away from the buildings and smoke. Feng Hui chimes in. Uh, I don't think that's a riverbed or a valley over there, Demuzi. I think that's a crater. Well, whatever it is, we're crossing it. Come on, agents. We've got three more missions to knock out before we return to the Syndicate. Oblivion does not rest, and neither do we. And with that, the Twilight Guard pack up their things, they gather their bearings, and they head into the depths of the sink and the drown. Their glowing, ghostly forms flicker and then vanish, leaving you, Sing and Mourn, completely alone in the darkness. Zynan's brow is so furrowed, he almost doesn't have eyes. He is thinking so hard about their faces, all of his very complicated feelings about the Twilight Guard and how all they do is chase Oblivion and they still never succeed. And here they are on a world that burned, not talking about losing Oblivion. And he lets out an extremely heavy sigh. <sighs> Thing. This is everything. Zynan, can't you see? Fate, however many number of years ago, she sent the Twilight Guard here when this place was a regnus. That seed, that seed that they were charged with planting, it, it must have caused the verdancy. It must have created this place. They caused an apocalypse. They caused a rebirth. 
Remember what the prince said. The Wild Sea is the natural state of this plane, and then Oregonus came and burned everything to ash, and fate brought it back. Fate brought everything back. The trees, the leaves, the animals, the oxygen, the beauty of this place, fate brought it back. Right. And he keeps thinking about Sayre's first vision, the way that he described it with panic as the surge of green exploded. And he's trying so hard to straddle that line between believing in her will and the feeling of ash on his skin, that sense of oblivion. And it's Sing now who places a hand on your shoulder with deep, completely anchored assurance. Zainan, if there's one thing I've learned from our journey so far in the Wild Sea, it's that becoming is painful. When the Wild Sea came back, it destroyed. It had to. It had to destroy everything that was here before because it wasn't working. Because the oil, the ash, and the flame, it was destructive. It was... That was oblivion. What was here before? The destruction. The doom. That was oblivion. But this, the Wild Sea, this is fate. This is my fate. I can feel it. That must be my destiny. That must be what fate meant when she pulled me up on stage in front of everyone. This is why I'm here. Even the fact that the Twilight Guard symbol is here, this is a symbol of my future, right? It has to be that the mission that we complete here will bode nothing but good things for the future, not just of this plane, but of the journey. And of course, there was devastation when the Wild Sea came back. And of course, Abasi and Suhyon's ancestors, their families must have lost so many lives, so many touchstones of their cultures dragged down here to the sink and the drown when the wilds he came back. But it's been 300 years since then. And all I've seen is them living in harmony with this place. They've learned to live in harmony with this place. Zainan looks into those bright pink eyes and feels that faith come back. Not in fate, but in Singh's eyes. And he wills it to be enough. Because in there he also sees another set of bright eyes and he can feel the ghosts around him and it is the only option. You're right. I know I'm right. I've started doubting myself a little ever since the Raya, but this is one thing I feel completely certain of. This path that we're on... This thing that Morn showed us, these visions, these ghosts that can speak to you, there's a reason why you and I, it was you that came on this Outrider down here. It was you that Morn chose. You're attuned to this world, Zynan. In a way that I've never seen anyone else be attuned to the natural world. I'm not gonna do this alone. I can't just be the lone hero who saves everything. That's not what I want to be. I'm going to do this with Sayer, I'm going to do this with Lumira, with you, Zainan, with Nova. The four of us working together, we will be unstoppable. Absolutely. And, uh, thank you. I think I needed to hear that. You have been magnificent on this mission. Composed, 
elegant, and absolutely badass. Do not let the Raya knock you down. I have never been on a mission this long. I didn't know I needed this much green. <laughs> There's so much of it here. Thank you, Zynan. It did knock me down a little, but I'm getting back up. That's it. And that's when the shaking begins. The roots around you start to tremor. The dark leaves rattle. Even the shadows flee. The entire world starts to gasp and shudder, and the smell of long dead things begin to surface, swelling in your nostrils like a bloated corpse. Something is coming, something from deeper even than the sink and the drown, and you are right next to it. Sing locks pink eyes with you, steady, anxious, but not fearful. We have to go. Sayer, the black snake wound around your neck is whispering into your ear. You can feel its oil-slick tongue flicking against your mind. Its voice drips with fire, with gasoline, with ash. It is a voice as dark and sour as crude oil, a voice that has beckoned to you before, and a voice that beckons to you now. Everything else upon Storm Chaser falls away, the thickening ash, the sweeping waves, even Lumira's face right in front of you. Only the voice remains. Don't apologize. You're better than that. Stronger than that, you are chosen by me. What has she ever done for you? You don't need her. She abandoned you. Or have you forgotten already? Left you for your sister. She doesn't even know how much stronger you are than fate's so-called chosen. Don't you dare apologize. Sayer's large hand is clasped over his left eye. As Thumira, you probably see this dark, serpentine, oily tattoo wrung around his neck like an earring. And he's grunting, choking, gargling for several moments as he is about to apologize. You heard it. You heard him say, Mira, please. I'm so... <clears throat> and as he struggles for heartbeat it feels like suddenly he stands so still and he removes his hand from his left eye and where his right eye is a sharp piercing blue his left is crimson and arterial like blood has seeped to the surface of his iris and a light sit aglow and he just says understood a truce, then. Yes. Yes. 
Sayer, what is wrong? And the serpent that's coiled around his ear moves up his face and dangles down his eye like a violent scar, holding claim onto that side of his face. Nothing. Nothing is wrong. Don't worry about it. Yes. If you'll allow, she will reach out and grasp the side of your face with the tattoo. Andrew, I know something. Say here. And like kind of tries to tilt your head to the side to see the snake tattoo that is adorning on your neck. Where did that come? Say here. Lumira, right before your fingers make contact with the side of Sayer's face, that is when the Leviathan attacks. The ash, which has been falling harder and harder this entire time, swirls like a white hot blizzard. It condenses, it coagulates, it thickens until an ashen pillar forms due east of your ship. Dozens, perhaps over a hundred feet tall and as wide around as the biggest tree you've seen so far in the wild sea is a rippling, stormy neck made of pure ash. And at the top of it, a draconic visage, razor-sharp teeth embedded in howling gales of swirling dust. Surfacing from the heaving leaves around it are multiple thrashing, lashing tails, also made of pure ash. And one of these tails, right before your fingers make contact with Sayer's jaw, whips out fast as a speeding bullet in the direction of Storm Chaser. Umira and Sayer, the two of you have only an instant before this tail collides with the ship. What do you do? Sayer? I think that left eye, as your fingers come close to touching it, pan towards behind him, and he whirls around, unsheaths his crescent blades, and he holds an arm towards you as he's going to attempt to kind of like repost against the tail that's coming towards us. And as he okay. as he does that, his arm is protecting you, and I think, Lumira, you finally realize something really important. Sayer has tied a lifeline to everyone but himself as he whirls around and attempts to repost the tail. Okay, my good bitch. That is going to be Iron Embrace. All right. Done. I'm going to need you to cut two. Okay. Do I still get funny bonus? Are you tapping into a Regnus's blessing? I'm hardwired in, baby! <laughs> then yes. I got the Ethernet yes. cable. Yes, you get to add 3D6 if you are, but you also have to describe how the fire leaps out of you if you're tapping into it. Absolutely. So that is for the audience that is 66. And I think as he is reposting, what how the fire bursts out of him is that the crescent blade isn't the weapon. It merely summons it. And out from that flurry, a whip of fire licks out to shield Storm Chaser, or attempt to shield Storm Chaser and Lumira. All right. Go see. for it. That's evil, 66, cutting two. Evil Ethernet cable. Let's go. Cut two, right? Yes. 
No six, two sixes, all that's left is a four and two twos. That's not bad. Okay, that's a conflict with a twist. So as this tail whips forward, it comes faster than you could imagine, but Sayer reacts also faster than you could imagine, a tongue of flame ripping out from that side of his face that has that tattoo dribbling down to his jaw. And a uh, whip of fire intercepts the ashen tail. And there's a kind of explosion from that point of contact. You successfully protect Lumira, but you get flung across the ship. Uh, you skid from starboard side to the port side and you slam into the banisters and they crack and a couple of wooden poles fall overboard and vanish into the hungry waves below. I need you to mark two. Yikes. Lumira, as Sayer struggles to catch his breath, what are you doing as you've been shielded from this blow? Crying. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No. Cry is a free action. No. Can I cry as a free action, please? Um, no, that's Sam. Um, I think Lumira was completely, I think all of her focus was so on Sayer that this literally threw her off guard. And I think she falls in the midst of all of it, just like jumping back and probably like tripping over her cloak or her uniform that she's wearing and like kind of like scooting back away from where exactly that impact was, but also going to, you know, her trusty boot knife just in case anything were to pop off or come around her. So she's just bracing herself, essentially. Yeah, as you pull out that boot knife and like stagger on the deck, that blow still rocked the ship. So I think you were knocked a little off balance. You hear Suhyon calling from where they are perched at the helm. Ah, Lumira, the anchor, we have to get out of here. The anchor. I will run over to the button, Sayer, and press it. <laughs> You don't have to roll for that. You press the button <laughs> and the Almost like it's easier to, to do it. Yes, it is the correct way. As the anchor starts to rattle up the side of the ship and you see Suhyun with both of their hands braced against the banister of the helm. Their eyes are squeezed shut and they're focusing on that chain. Uh, something's wrong, Lumira. Zainian and Singh, they're not on the Outrider. They're not back yet. We have to keep the ship safe until they get back. And a bossy swirling above head on Squall shouts down, got it, ha! And Squall flies not toward one of the tails, not toward this general ash storm, but toward the central head, which is huge and massive. A bossy is like the size of a fly buzzing in this dragon's face. But she fearlessly charges Squall forward and they start like in the distance attacking and pinging and swerving and dodging to get this Leviathan's attention so the central body doesn't attack the ship because one bite from that central head will just absolutely just completely sink Storm Chaser. So a bossy is trying to draw its attention away. We pan across the waves, past this gnashing rows of dusty teeth of the central head of the Leviathan to the Outrider. 
Zainan and Singh, the two of you surface in time to see a motherfucking ashen leviathan in the middle of your path, blocking your way back to Storm Chaser. You gotta be fucking kidding me. <laughs> Zainan on the Outrider, he's still the one driving, but his rifle is resting in such a way where the barrel is actually resting on the like, the steering. And as Zainan and Singh start to like get to the actual top where he could see the Leviathan, he is actually going to try and shoot it while riding on the Outrider. Okay, yes, that's definitely gonna be a roll. So I think that's either Grace, (laughs) Grace, Teeth, or Iron as the edge. I think we are into Teeth. He is all instinct. You do not hurt my home. And are you gonna use Hunt? Yes. Okay, and add 1d6 for using the rifle. And for you to know, Connie, before you say anything that hurts me, my dead eye does make it so that I can aim precisely. Okay. And he is going to try and shoot the closest thing to the prin, knowing that that is their way back. Okay, so you're not shooting at the central head, but at one of the tails whipping out toward Storm Chaser. Yes. Okay. Make that roll. It's two fives. That is a conflict with a twist. That's good. Uh, As you lift the rifle up, right, you draw a bead. It's like over a hundred, maybe several hundred feet away is where Storm Chaser is. So, you know, accuracy falls off from for this rifle after like 120 feet something, but bam, you like raise, you raise the bead, you pull the trigger and poof, that bullet shoots out. And you see it hit your target true. That is a successful part of the conflict. It hits a tail right as it's coming down toward the print. And the force of the bullet punches through the tails in such a way that it disperses the ash, right? It just poof, completely disappears into the environment around you. But the conflict part, is moments later, the ash just reforms, completely reforms into that tail and it rears up again. The twist is this. As the smoke trails, I think, from the tip of the barrel, you swear you feel hands steadying your own against the grip. You swear you feel someone lifting up the barrel to give you a surer aim, and you swear you hear Ija's voice in your ear go, look a little closer. Not where it is, where it's gonna be. And take this. And you feel something brimming within your rifle. A special shot. That's the twist. The next shot you make is gonna be a lot more deadly than just lead. Sing! While you're racing on the Outrider, she has her long sword out and she is just hacking away at the vines and the roots and the branches that are in your path. She has told you, Zainan, we're gonna gun in a straight line. I'll cut through anything that's blocking us. And even though you're running toward like a literal wall of vines, she like sweeps her arm forward and sends out a slice that ripples through the air with a single pink slash and decimates that obstacle, bursts it open so the Outrider can just go through, go back in a straight line. And you can see that psychic blue tendril connecting the Outrider to Storm Chaser glowing and pulsing as the Prim maintains contact with your Outrider guiding you to safety. And I think we 
squoosh past the wild sea back aboard Storm Chaser, where we find Sayer staggering from that blow. As you're pulling yourself back to a stand, flames licking off one side of your body. You see more tails erupting on all sides around you. What do you do? Sayer uses his crescent blades and pushes himself up to stand at his full height and he's going to rip off his black jacket that he wears over his white shirt. He's going to walk over to the rigging and tie an additional layer over the print and the mirror's ropes. And he's going to look at the mirror. And there's a heavy aura of something just wrong, but you also see his blue eyes right next to his arterial one. And you know what it is. It's Sayer is ready to protect. To protect you all. To protect the strike team. And he looks at you and he says, I have to go. Abasi needs support. You got this. Lumira nods. In the same look that you give her, she gives you full of determination. The rest of whatever happened is not important right now. It is the mission, it is this task. And I think that is where they both, despite everything, that is where they both see eye to eye their devotion to trans and this mission. So she steadfastly looks you in the eye and nods. No malice, no hurt, not even softness. It is steely determination. You know this look of hers. It's go time. I'll draw it away. Don't worry about me. I have wings. Fair enough. Got the print. He says that and that menace is still there, but that protectiveness is wound and tendrilled around it. And he jumps onto the banister, clicks both of his buttons, falls, flies upward, and Connie, I want to give Abasi her opening. I'm going after all of its tails. Like, I kind of want to fly okay. around and just and get like, it to focus on me. And draw all the tails after you? Mm -hmm. okay. And I'm doing it with fire. I'm holding out my crescent okay. blades like whips of fire. Like you're waving a red flag yeah. toward the beast. Okay, that's either going to be teeth or iron as the edge. Ooh, that teeth and I will humbly submit a break by me. That makes sense to me and add 3d6 to the roll. All right, so that's two, that's five, d6. Okay, so we have two five, three fives. Three fives, a three and a two. Okay, that is a conflict with a twist. You take to the air, fire erupting from your wings and you like keel right and you start to swirl in a low tantalizing circle around where all the tails are and sure enough the success is all the tails are drawn to you all what three four six twelve of them they seem to leap and ribbon out of ash coming from nowhere uh, and i think we close it on you as you're tilting side to side and tails start punching out of the tangle out of nowhere trying to get you but you're able to like rock side to side and dodge it and weave against it and draw this leviathan's attention completely on you the conflict part of that is you're not entirely successful at avoiding every single attack some of the tails do 
punch into you. They punch you a little off course, and it's like getting hit with like a hard gust of wind with shards of diamond glass embedded in it, as these tails are made of pure ash. So in total, I need you to mark another two across your tracks as you just get buffeted around a bit as you're flying circles around the Leviathan. I have no more tracks left in my barrel chest of tree. Just letting folks know. You are bruised to hell and back, and there's little gashes, right? And like little beads of blood that are blooming on your skin from the cuts embedded within these ashen tendrils. The twist is that you notice from your vantage point this high up, much of the wild sea underneath you. You see this old wood grove, and you also see far to the west the horizon where it connects with the regular wild sea. And looking at this transition, you can tell that this leviathan didn't just come out of nowhere. There was a reason why it rose up now to attack. It's guarding this place. And not just that, something about this leviathan is very, very wrong. Lumira, as Seir leaps overboard and soars into the air in a plume of fire. You hear Suhyon shout at you across the deck. I can feel them again. Zaiden, Sing, they're coming back in a straight line, but oh, it's okay. Sing's cutting through everything. Ugh. Sorry, it's a little hard to maintain focus on the link when there are so many tails and the Wild Sea is so angry and- Prin, do me a favor. Yes? Go to the med bay right now. The med bay? Why? Are, are you hurt? And she points directly across the deck. Like, the med bay is separate, it's solid, and it's, like, built with fortitude. Like, it's supposed to be able to withstand that because sick people are supposed to be in it. She needs to print mm-hmm. in the med bay right now. She'll handle what's happening on outside. But they need to make their way. Okay, okay. And the print lets out a deep exhale and then pushes off from the banister. When they open their eyes, you see that they're glowing like with a bright light as they're maintaining the psychic connection. They hustle down the stairs toward the med bay and they duck underneath it as the ash continues to thicken and billow like a dry and warm snowstorm all around you. They have to shout over the howling gales to be heard. Lumi, you know me and I know you. We love Leviathans. That's the whole crux of our blooming friendship, I hope. But something about this Leviathan is very, very wrong. I can sense it. It's not supposed to be like this. I've never heard of a Leviathan made of ash before. There's something deeply strange, Lumira. I've, I don't know. This is, what the fuck? And I think she kneels down and just like whatever little bit of ash that fell to the deck of the boat, I think she'll try to like scoop it up because this is unlike anything that we've ever come across before. She doesn't understand it now, but if we can fight it off now and at least get it away from us, we might be able to do some research on the back end to know how to fight it if it comes up against us again. Sure, so you're trying to collect specimens. Mm -hmm like as many specimens as you can, okay, that's gonna be a roll to see how many and how good the specimens are for your research. Okay. So that, and you're doing this under fire too. Right. So that's gonna be either grace, sharps, or tides as the edge. Sharps 100%. Okay. 
I'm gonna use Harvest. That makes sense. Are you using a tool or something to help you? I have some like vials and stuff like that on me in- Okay, but not like a track or an aspect? Yeah, okay, no, I'll say okay. other than, yeah, I'll say nothing No in, worries. How many D6 is that? If you allow me to use the vials as a advantage, it would be three, but if not two. You know what? I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. 3d6. And I'm going to have you cut one for difficulty because you're doing this while the boat is rocking and combat is happening around you. Okay. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to use my empty the mind trait to ignore your cut and roll all three of my dice. And that's going to be two sixes, my dear Connie. That's a six with a twist. You do it. You collect more than enough ash and you collect the best ash as well the freshest ash the ash that you know will get you answers when you peer at it from underneath a microscope and you like you cork that jar and you tuck it away safely in your person the twist that you get is even under fire even in the midst of this combat you can already start to piece together perhaps what is so strange about this leviathan looking at its central body it feels familiar to you almost like you've seen it before but not in this lifetime no through someone else's eyes it looks like the spitting image of the storm witch hells it could be her brother Zina. You are gunning it. You are racing back towards Storm Chaser. A few more moments and you will have reached the base of the central neck. Are you trying to plow through it like driving through a hurricane or a tornado or are you trying to go around it? And are you also trying to shoot at it while you're doing that? Zainan wants to gun it around the side to give Sing the opportunity to jump on deck, but is gonna stay on the outrider and try and get on the other side of the head of the Leviathan. Sounds good. That's going to be a maneuver roll. How well you can, like, ride the grace. outrider. So that's either going to be grace. Yes. I'm going to pitch you an outwit. Ooh, you know what? Yes. Yes, that sounds fun. Let's do that. How many D6 is that? Three. Yeah, I'm going to cut one for difficulty. It, this is a really hard thing to do. Not only are the waves here particularly tumultuous, there's a motherfucking Leviathan right there. So go for it. Still a four. I lost a five. That's it. Okay, well, it's the, still the same rank. That is a conflict. That means you successfully pitch the Outrider to the side, like veering like a jet ski, basically, onto its axis, tilting away from the base of the central neck of the Leviathan. And Sing successfully braces herself and leaps at the same time. She leaps higher than a normal person should be able to leap. And as she lands on the deck, she steps down upon brightly glowing pink platforms as a staircase to bring her down to safety. She lands scans the situation, sees Lumira, immediately starts heading over to her to protect her. But we pull back now on the Outrider as you write this sport bike essentially back onto its Voltaic runners and start making your way around the other side of its neck. So the conflict is gonna be, you did not go unscathed. The tails that have been following Sayir have been basically moving in a clockwise formation around the base of this dust dragon, and some of them billow into you. They rock the Outrider to the left, to the right, on either side of its axis, and punch into you with the same ferocity they're punching into Sayir. I need you to mark two. All right. 
gonna mark one in that dead eye. Okay. And one in tough as nails as he kind of mm. watches Sing go going, oh, this is such a beautiful moment and kind of feeling that, again, that surge of hope that he almost doesn't want stubbornly and then drives into the dust. Exactly. As you gun the throttle, you can hear the voltaic runners no longer silent, now letting out like a very intense as you go forward. Morn is still there, is keeping stride with the pace of the outrider. You get the sense that as long as you have the pendant on your person, you can never truly lose Morn. And Morn is growling and snapping their teeth at the various tails and dust pillars surging out of the tangle and the thrash around you. You can feel the weight of that bullet in the chamber, the weight of that special bullet. And you know, you know that if you line your shot up right, you could do a lot of damage with it. Now we pan back up to the skies, to Sayer. Sayer, every single one of the over a dozen tails is following you as you're flying around this leviathan and they are gaining on you. Abasi is still distracting the leviathan's teeth. You see her literally fly through the maw right before it clamps down and she like dodges out of it, banks squall a hard right and deftly maneuvers around its head. She is a genius sky warrior. This is where she belongs. She belongs in the air. Even watching her now, you're picking up a few tips and tricks for how you should wind your body through the air, what do you do? The dozen tails are gaining on him, and he knows that Abasi is getting close. I do also see Zainan here, right? Do I notice that the Outrider is here yet? Yes, you hear okay. the of the Outrider. You can see everything from your vantage point in the skies. Perfect. This is it. And Sayers, he's watching Abasi duck and weave using Squall. He realizes he needs to go to the heart of this thing. He needs to be such an unmissable distraction that he creates that perfect opening for both Abasi and Zainan. So what he does is he's going to use his heat from the flames that he is now wielding, race upwards up to the head of this Leviathan. And I want to clamp down onto its like snout very briefly just to release an incinerating spark so it will have to duck away. Okay, <laughs> that is a risky fucking maneuver. It is, I don't want, I don't think his objective is to defeat it. It is to, it's like throwing pocket sand at this thing or hot embers <gasps> into its eyes. Okay, okay, so the edge I think is either gonna be veils, iron, or teeth. I'll take iron, because I don't have veils. Okay. Uh, actually, no, I'll take teeth. Okay. Teeth and break. The skill here would be outwit. Outwit, I can take outwit, yeah. Okay, go for it, yeah. I'm gonna have you add 3d6 because you're using your fire, but okay. I need you to cut two for how difficult this maneuver is gonna be. It doesn't matter if you cut two. I quite literally rolled five ones. Okay, this is what happens. You explode upward into the sky. Your fire brandishing from your body as you leap forward, intent on distracting this thing. You see that it doesn't really have eyes. It's just swirling pits, hollows, like the hollows of a skull filled with ash. But as its maw turns away from Abasi and 
fixes onto you, you see a pair of pale blue eyes swirl into existence within the sockets. Eyes that don't belong to this Leviathan, eyes that belong to someone else entirely. And as those eyes fix onto you, you hear a voice that you've never heard before. This is not a Ragnus. This is someone else ringing in your head as they see you through the Leviathan. And the Baron of Ash says, Nice try, little one. But it'll take you more than that to upstart me. And coming out of your blind spot is a tail that hits you with the force of a mountain. And Sayer, you fall. No. You plummet like a burning, shooting star, like an angel cast out of heaven. And you hit the deck of Storm Chaser. You crash through the upper deck and you fall into the lower deck. There is a cracking noise, like a whip of thunder, and everything for you, Sayer, goes black. This episode was edited by Marissa Ewing of Hemlock Creek Productions. Our original intro theme music is by Jonathan Charles. Transplaner RPG is supported by our incredible Patreon precepts. Folks pledge to our highest tier on Patreon. A massive thank you to Charles, Cora Eckert, Chiacres, Lex Slater, Scruffesis, Hat, Alex, Mark J, Lyle and Peanut, Spencer, Brooke in Seattle, Derek Davidson, Phil, Jordan, Cassidy, and Rose. Pledge to our Patreon today for as little as $3 a month to unlock exclusive news, character sheets, GM notes, and even the chance for your tabletop OC to cameo in our show. Until next time, Transplay Nerds!